Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Wagner. Always fun to get to talk to people in the area. These are some of my favorite conversations because for me, they're local. And I know them to a degree. I don't actually know this person. I've never sat and talked with Pete Janiszewski prior to today. We've had some conversation, um, but we competed against each other. He's a track and field cross coach, a cross country coach here in Laverne, Minnesota, um, extreme southwest corner, about 20 miles from Sioux Falls or so in South Dakota. They have perennially been in the conversation about winning state championships, winning and competing for state championships um, in track and field and cross country, specifically on the girls' side, but they've been very strong on the boys' side as well. Uh, Pete and I talk a lot about how he sets up his athletes to be successful, what it looks like to, to manage a program with a lot of moving parts and to give away some of that authority that's needed to your staff and your coaches to say, if we're going to be our best, we I can't try and manage it and do it all by myself. They have had tremendous sustained excellence. They've won the last four state tournaments in a single event, the four by 800 meter relay. And that's including the COVID year not being in there, right? So that, that would have potentially been a fifth one. They found some triggers. They found some cues to have sustained success. That is always attractive to me who's doing it well not just once but over time because that is incredibly challenging to do and the, the people that are doing it at that level have something to offer us pete janice says he did that for us today we got better hopefully you will as well let's go we are now welcomed by pete janice head boys and girls cross country and track coach at Laverne high school in Minnesota. You guys have had a tremendous amount of success in your tenure there. Welcome to the podcast. We'll talk about all that success and how you guys have reached that, but welcome. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's a, it's a humbling honor to have somebody want to hear from you. So yeah. And it's, for me, that's been one of the funnest parts of what I do. I, I get to talk to people like yourself that have had a lot of success that have seen what it looks like and how hard it is to sustain and, and get to ask questions about that because I am infinitely curious. And I, I has recently having a conversation with another former track coach in Minnesota, John Peter, who's been on the podcast from Pelican Rapids a few times. And he said, there are some truth serum conversations that, that we as coaches have. And one of them is how do you sustain long-term program dynamics, success like you guys have had. So I'm always curious about, about people that have done it and have, have continued to do it. What does that look like? So let's just, let's start there. You guys have won, I think the last five, four by eight state championships on the girl side from like 2018. Uh, yeah. 
something like that. four of them because we had the covid year in there which okay actually could have been a fifth but we didn't race in 2020 so yeah so you yeah, had a super yeah. talented group even even that year yeah so and we've been pretty blessed and fortunate that way in terms of uh getting kids to buy in and uh and that's actually kind of one of the things that they really aspire to be a part of they know that we've created that culture and so every year you know the girls are working uh, and boys are working you know because they want to be a part of those relays so yeah that's that's a question i was going to have how do you get that to be something people want to do because i was an 800 400 guy uh, we've you know when i was at pequot we had a ton of success in those two races as well that mid-distance really a struggle race a mental toughness kind of race and yet here you guys are with sustained success how do you how do you communicate that to athletes how do they want you talked about them wanting to be a part of that what is what is the drive that moves them to that place i guess for me as a coach i've always uh i've enjoyed the team aspect of track and field and so the relay side of things is a way to bring in more people and um you know how much more fun is your state meet experience if you get to bring three four other girls or boys with you and uh help them to achieve something that maybe individually you guys couldn't accomplish by yourselves you know and so you know if you look at each of those four by eight teams granted we did have some pretty talented kids that were all state kids and things like that but every year there was one or two on that team that if you put them in a open four or an open eight they're probably not going to walk away with a medal. And so, um, and so that's kind of always been uh, something that we uh, focus in on. And, you know, I don't necessarily say that I favor or, but I do uh, love relays. We, you know, when it gets to the end of the season, we try and put together as many good relays as we can, if we think they got a shot to uh, move on to the state meet and do well at the state meet. So yeah, I I found in my experience the same thing that kids buy in a little bit more because they're not alone. They're not they don't have to stand out there by themselves. Yep, their leg of the relay is alone, but they they get to feel a part of something in a different way and I think that creates more buy-in to the process and even when we work really really hard, which you have to in those events, um how do you how do you prepare them mentally for that challenge? Cause there's, it's not just, Hey, I want to be a part of that. Cause this culture is really cool. Now there's an expectation that goes along with it, which can feel like pressure sometimes. How do you prepare them for that, that part of the process throughout, even throughout the year? Cause it's not just, we show up on June 10th and win a, win a state title. Yeah. And it's just, kind of a season long approach. Uh, you know, every year we say every year's a new year, you know, nothing's guaranteed last year's done. You have to earn what happens this year. And so, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, you know, especially when we have home meets, we, I do like more of a head to head. I might put three, four relays from our team out there and I might, match up you know girls so that they can stay together and i try to keep those relay teams as tight together as i can and then from there we get a lot of split times and we get some open times and then we can kind of start worrying about um you know 
who's part of that top four or five girls and and that kind of stuff. And and we have different meets throughout the year that, you know, the kids know, you know, outside of one of the years where the girls wanted to be together pretty much every meet and, you know, and race it. Um, we, you know, have some of those meets throughout the year where, you know, they know that whatever our best four is at that snapshot in time, those are the four that are going to step on the track at that meet because you get an opportunity to really get tested against other good four by eight teams and and so forth. And so, um, so that along with, you know, every pre-meet for us, um, at least on the distance side, which we've also uh, have some of my assistants have incorporated uh, some of that into their uh, uh, groups as well is we do early see, I mean, throughout the season, we do a minimum of 10, 10, 12 minutes of visualization before uh, every meet, whether it's a big meet to small meet, whatever it is, and just really getting them to focus in. We kind of break things down in terms of their warm up routine and just kind of just visualizing going through that, being with their teammates. Um, that first quarter of the race, third, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, what are the key things that you want to key in on and um, really focus on. And um, so we do a lot of race rehearsal too before uh, meets, not just big meets, but every meet. And then when we get to the end of the season, we actually put a little bit, even a little bit more time into it as we head into say sections and state meet time. So when you say when you say more time, what do you mean specifically? Uh, we just spend a, a little bit more time with it. So uh, we may go through kind of a similar routine and stuff. Um, I also have uh, one uh, uh, something that I gotten from Track Clinic uh, many years ago that is a little bit longer, like a twenty three minute. Just really kind of walks them through uh, just even calm breathing and those kinds of things. And so a little bit longer, but it's a little, usually a little longer just because we, you know, just try and really hone in on, um, you know, what things we need to focus on at each leg, each person, uh, each part of your race, whether you're in the relay or you're in an individual event, everybody's kind of breaking things down and then just kind of visualizing the fruits of your labor, you know, too, afterwards, you know, can you visualize yourself, you know, on the award stand and, you know, how does that going to feel to be with your teammates and those kinds of things. So. Awesome. I love that. Creating that texture, that context is really, really important. This isn't a track specific podcast, but I'm curious about how do you break that down into first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, like you're talking about. Cause I think one of the things that I want to pull out, for people as they're listening is you can do this in whatever you do in life. You can, you can get really specific about the details of part of the process. I think a lot of people just think run fast, turn left. That's what track and field is. When we talk about an 800, a 400, even a 200, we're talking about some pretty unique portions of a race. That's life, right? We have seasons in life. Yeah. I think races break down into, into sort of segments or fractions. Can you talk to us about how you're preparing? Let's just talk about the 800 specifically. We'll dial in there. What are, what are the quarters that you're talking about? What are some of the cues that you're, you're queuing up for your athletes to be thinking about in that process? Yeah. yeah so we, like I said, we always start by just going through the warm up routine. You know, we try and duplicate what we're doing in practice just because that, 
keeping that routine helps keep those nerves at bay. You know, you're, you're doing something that you do every single day. Um, it's nothing new to you. And so we kind of want them for the most part, you know, for relaxation purposes of this, just another race, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to go home. We're going to walk away. We hope we can walk away saying we did our best. And, you know, and so that's what we focus on there. But then in terms of the actual quarter of the race, I'd, so 800 a quarter would be 200. So I talk about, you know, what do we want to focus on in that first 200? We got to get out aggressive, you know, when we start talking about other races, but, uh, you know, shorter the race, the more aggressive you got to be at the beginning of the race. You know, you, you can't win the race in the first quarter, but you can hurt yourself and help yourself from being running your best time. If you're not honed in on that and being, uh, hitting your mark at at 200 so and just talking about just being really aggressive to the curve and then getting down the back stretch and then just kind of jostling for position and you know kind of we talk a lot about uh, especially in those championship style races trying to make sure that we don't get on the rail and get pinned in and those kinds of things just different uh tactics in that uh first quarter of the race second quarter you know, my, some of my key phrases are maintain. Um, and when I, I always tell them maintain does not mean that we're relaxing. It just means that we're maintaining position, we're maintaining pace, we're maintaining poise and uh, coming off the curve and just kind of uh, heading down the home stretch into that uh, final or into that uh, first lap. And so I, th- I think that's interesting. I hate to interrupt you here, but I, I th- one of the things that I noticed with athletes as they come down the home straight, even at, on the first lap, when you're at a big meet and the stands are full and the energy is real, we can lose some of that kind of killer instinct for the second lap because we wasted it, reused it. I love how you talk about maintain poise, position, pace. I think that's a real challenge because we start to see some, some fruit, right? We start to see, okay, we're in a, you know, we're in third and we're in a position where we can maybe go and chase for first here. I'm going to go chase because I'm getting cheered on down the home straight. That happens in life all the time too, where I feel some momentum, like, Hey, I'm triggering and things are going really well and I want to use it, but we forget that there's half of their half of the event left, half of the challenge left in front of us. I just wanted to to touch in on that because maintenance isn't relax. It's maintain poise it's maintain that position i love i love the way that you use that language what about that third quarter of the race that third 200 uh third 200 we talk a lot about we should be accelerating through that start finish line really because the third quarter doesn't matter what race you're talking about the third quarter you naturally relax your body wants to i gotta conserve so that i can somehow fit no you don't we need to try to accelerate through, try and hit that. We even talk about maybe even getting a little burst off that curve on that second lap and maybe even a little burst down the back stretch just to kind of stay on pace because you know that your body's going, you're starting to get more tired, more fatigued. And so you have to do those little things mentally and physically so that you stay in rhythm and stay uh, on your pace and not letting people, you know, gap you and, and those kinds of things. So, so that's kind of that third quarter is, you know, I, I tell the kids it's the money-making quarter. Absolutely. Okay? If you don't uh, pay attention in the third quarter, you can, 
be out of the race and not, it doesn't matter how fast you run the last quarter. You can sprint the last 50 meters. If you didn't do your job in the third quarter, second and third yeah. quarters, then you're probably not going to get back in contact unless you're way more talented than they are. So we talked about that all the time. I mean, we had, we won a four by eight and we were competing for a couple in there. And we talked about it all the time. That's the third, the third 200 of the races where races are won and lost. Like, and in the 400, the same thing, right? That from 200 to a hundred, that is, that is where things happen, right? That's where all the moves happen. You can relax for, you know, and I always try to get our athletes at the 220 mark of the 400 to move, right? I don't want you waiting because everybody goes at 200. I want you to be tough enough mentally to say we can handle 220. We don't need it to be 200. Right. And then, you know, then you have really fast fast sprinter type kids are like, I'm going to wait till 130. I'm going to wait till 150, whatever it is. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, you're just fast and that's okay. Sort of thing. But I love, you can't, the natural, you got to fight the natural instinct to relax. You got to fight the natural kind of, I've been doing this for a while. My body feels kind of tired or tight, giving a mental cue, like accelerate or win this third 200. I, man, I'm, I'm a hundred percent alignment on that. Another huge cue that we talk a lot about is being comfortable, being uncomfortable. The third, when you get to the third quarter of the race, you shouldn't probably feel super comfortable. You should start to feel like you've actually done something for the first half of the race. And so, so just being comfortable, knowing that you're, you know, your legs are going to start to feel a little bit tired and, and stuff and just being able to battle through that. So. And then what do you, I mean, what do you, what is a mental, like I, I just am always fascinated about how coaches are cueing athletes in a, in a coaching cue. The fourth quarter is, is obvious, right? For everybody that's watching, it's give every, every ounce of effort you have, but what is the language that you're using to empower your athletes to, to feel like they have something extra different, special, whatever it might be, where it's, where it's your language that you guys use in your program for the fourth that quarter, final quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I talk a lot about fast hands, um, especially when you hit the home stretch. Um, You know, we should be accelerating through 200 and kind of building up, building up so that when we do come off the curve, we can change gears at 100. We can change gears again with 50 to go. But I talk a lot about fast hands um, just because the faster your hands are going, the faster your legs are going. You know, I'm not a person, you know, I think sometimes you get in trouble if you tell, you know, uh, you know, I hear sometimes people say stride out. Well, if you're lengthening your stride, you're actually breaking your speed. And so Mm -hmm. just uh, my main cue is, is a lot of times fast hands, keep your hands moving. That's going to keep your legs moving. And, uh, you know, as soon as your hands start slowing down, then that's where you kind of see them tighten up and then the legs slow down with it. But for sure. Yeah. That's exactly what I was curious about. Cause I, you know, like, so I, a lot of this resonates deeply because this is something that I, I worked in. And I, I think that there are pieces that we can pull out of there that aren't, that are less track specific. What's the, what's the specific cue? What's the specific skill? What's the specific discipline we have to execute in that hardest part of the race when everybody's given the same sort of effort, what is something technical we can focus on where can we dial in our focus so that we can get the best type of results that we have i'm i'm curious we can move kind of outside of that 800 because that's been the the vast majority of the conversation so far you are a 
a marathon runner. You've run a few of these in your experience. Yeah. Am I right in that? Yeah, I've, I've ran eight marathons. So, so how does your preparation, your experience, your understanding of what kind of physical battle that is, what kind of mental battle that is show up in, in the way that you coach and, and in preparing athletes? Um, I guess I just try to prepare the kids and say, you know, it's not supposed to be easy. You know, if it was easy, I always say, if it was easy, everybody, we would have 300 kids on the track team. If it was easy, you know, because that's unfortunately what some people are in search of the easy button. And it's not easy. You have to push the envelope. You have to uh, challenge yourself in different ways. Um, and, you know, do so in a, obviously, you know, a, within, you know, where are you at as a training age and those kinds of things and how much can, you know, and ever, and I found every kid's different. You know, I got kids where, you know, if I can get them running four days a week, they maybe can't handle running, you know, five, six, seven days a week. Um, and so just kind of, we spend a lot of time trying to find their sweet spot, if you will. You know, I got kids where you get them even five miles too much and all of a sudden they're starting to get aches and pains and those kinds of things. And so just really kind of trying to hone in on the overall uh, runner and just, uh, you know, we talk a lot. We don't take days off. I mean, practices off. I mean, we don't cancel practice because the weather outside is crappy. We go out. And I think that at, you know, when we get to meets where it's crappy weather, our kids are like, well, we do this every day. It's not a big deal. So, yeah. So, yeah. How do you, I think some athletes think that it has to be even or fair or equal in some way. How do you communicate that? Because what I, what I hear is that you're looking and saying every kid needs some specific training we, tools. Like how, how do you yeah. communicate that to kids that feel like, well, they didn't do as much as I did. They don't have to do as much as I do. We do a lot of communicating with regards uh, to that. Um, and, you know, I don't, you know, if you're a first year kid, you know, if you're a sophomore first year kid, you might be able to increase your mileage a little bit quicker and stuff than compared to say a seventh or an eighth grade first year kid, but you're still a first year uh, kid. And so we talk a lot about, you know, what's best for you isn't necessarily what's best for so-and-so. And so um, the kids really don't question, you know, and say, well, they were, got to ride the bike three times. Why, you know, they know that that person maybe needs to do that. Otherwise they're hurt and they're not going to be there to help our team. And then when you start looking at the relay dynamic of things, they know that, well, we need them to be a hundred percent healthy. You know, last year we had a little bit of injury with one of our girls. And so, you know, she wasn't able to do a, a lot of the training, but we knew that if she didn't step on the track for us come section and state time that we maybe wouldn't uh, have a shot at, you know, doing what we wanted to and hitting the goals that we wanted to hit. And so, um, so I haven't had, you know, I think it's just a culture, something that we've built where kids really don't question that from what I've seen, at least from my perspective. So, 
Yeah. And that, that tells me it's been communicated clearly, right? I think clarity is kindness and, and having that understanding of, you know, it's not going to be the same for everybody from day one is really, it removes some of that. What have you, what do you guys do to help establish culture? You've said that word a few times. How do you, how do you get there? This is like, this is the truth serum conversation, right? It's culture and sustained success are the two hardest things to kind of wrap your head around. Even when you're in it, how does it happen? I don't know. I've done a lot of reflecting. I think a large part of it is being genuine and um, the kids know that we care about them. We want them to be successful. There isn't anybody on the team that we want to be more successful than others. They also understand that some kids have different gifts than other kids. You know, some kids, you know, even in distance events, some kids have good turnover and can change gears. Other kids need to rely more on strength. And so um, I think, yeah, just being genuine and just they know that, you um, we're going to push them to be the best that they can be and to challenge them to do things that maybe they didn't ever think they were going to be able to do, you know, at the end of a workout, you know, we want you to say that, you know, I could have did, did a little bit faster or maybe could have did one more rep, but man, that was awesome. You know, I, I didn't think that I was going to be able to do that, or I didn't think I was going to be able to run them that fast or whatever, but, um, you know, and a lot of our stuff is individual. I do a lot of stuff off of almost all their workouts and stuff is off of VO2 max and training paces. So it's all date paced in terms of where are you at right now? And so, and then, you know, Ideally, that progresses as the season goes on. Obviously, not every meet is going to be a home run and you're not going to, you know, maybe improve upon your uh, fitness or whatever, but um, you're still progressing as the season goes on and just, you know, individualizing that side of things. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I just think like the more I do this and I, I across sport, across business, whatever it is, the more unique, specific, genuine, you can be on an individualized front and then have that be reflected team-wide is, is really a force multiplier that you can't put any sort of value on, I think, because some kids it's going to land, some people it's going to land really, really powerfully right away. And they're going to buy in from day one and they're going to see what you're doing and say, this this has meaning for me and I want to be a part of it. And others are going to go, yeah, that's cool. Um, so one of my friends is really excited about it. So I'm going to check it out and they might be lukewarm for a long time. And, mm -hmm. and at some point that changes because they see the care, the kindness, the genuine, the specificity. I think one of the questions that I always ask track coaches, because it's really hard is there's a lot of events that you're trying to manage. Yeah. And, you know, I was a mid distance guy and we had, we were really fortunate to have a bunch of awesome coaches to have a lot of people that were even one event coaches. We had a specific high jump coach, you know, like we had a specific pole vault coach. This was unbelievable opportunity for our athletes to take advantage of someone's expertise. 
that's not always the case. How do you guys manage to be successful? You guys have success in the hurdles. You have success in the short sprints. You guys have success, obviously, in the distance events. Like, how are you able to manage the challenge of training athletes across those that spectrum events? It's part of why track and field is awesome because everybody can find their place, and it's part of the challenge as a coach. Um, yeah, we have five coaches on staff. Um, we are a seven twelve program, and so. Uh, we work with everybody seventh grade on up in our event uh, areas. Um, and so I have a coach that takes care of the sprints. And then I have a coach that takes care of hurdles and then our horizontal jumps. I have a pole vault coach, a throws coach. And then I am the unique combination of middle distance, distance along with high jump. So I've coached high jump since I came here in Laverne. They uh, at the time, didn't really, they already had a distance coach. And so okay. I started coaching high jump and I'd never high jumped in my life. And so, yeah. um, so yeah, it, uh, you know, just being able to have that. So I, you know, in a lot of ways feel pretty blessed and fortunate to have that many coaches to not have to, um, delve out myself to, you know, 18 events. And so, and the other big thing from the, from me as, you know, taking on the role as a head coach, this will be my seventh year is that I was assistant for 14 years under um, Craig Nelson, who was an outstanding uh, mentor of mine, um, but is just trust them to do what their expertise is. You know, I don't try and tell, tell them what they should be doing in sprint workouts. I don't try and go over and tell them what they need to be doing with the throws and just, um, having that trust, letting them uh, figure things out and, uh, you know, go through the same trial and error process that I went through when I was a coach. So, yeah. So. Are those, are those specific conversations where you're telling them, Hey, uh, you know, I don't care what you're doing. I just want to see us progressing or how do you, how do you communicate that trust? Yeah, I, I guess I think I don't really go over and check in on them. You know, yeah. I trust that they're doing, they want to do. I mean, I can see that we're progressing by looking at how the kids are performing in the meets and how the kids interact with them and, and those kinds of things. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's kind of how I was treated when I was an assistant is like, they, you know, the people that, mentored me, knew that I was going to work hard. And, you know, my biggest thing when I bring on somebody new to our staff is, are you good with kids? And do you yeah. enjoy working with kids? If you are, you can learn all the rest. I mean, there's, we are in the technology, you can find information about anything. It's just developing your own system and, you know, figuring out, I mean, even after 20 some years now, I still make tweaks every year, you know, what, yeah. what, how could we do this better? How could we uh, make this a little bit better? We had a few uh, injuries last year. How can we cut back on that? You know, what things do we need to maybe do more of or less of, et cetera. So. Yeah. That, that capacity to ask questions of yourself is, I think is a really powerful tool for a leader to be like, well, this is the standard that we're, I hold of myself and I expect you guys to hold it also. And yet 
it's just unspoken to some degree, you know, we don't, we don't have to have these, these constant hold you accountable conversations. I'm curious, you're from Minnesota, uh, which is a, I don't know, kind of a legendary small town sports program. They are good at literally everything. It feels like they've had really tremendous success in football and wrestling and volleyball and basketball and like good track and field. How did, was this something that was just kind of taught at that age or like, I just, part of me just thinks that place has crazy culture that it just like, we expect to be good. And so we are good sort of thing. What is your perspective from more of an insider's perspective and now being on the outside, looking at it from a little bit of a, with a, with a little bit of distance, saying they do a lot of good things, but, but maybe here's what I learned. Here's what I do differently. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, obviously there's a culture and an expectation, uh, there. Um, I would say I was about the only culture that I was a part of. It would be the wrestling culture. And at that time we were kind of more of up and coming, Sure. You know, we hadn't maybe reached that pinnacle. Um, you know, I was part of a couple of section runner-up teams, but not a part of the teams that finally made it over the hump and made it to the state uh, tournament and things like that. I didn't uh, do football or volleyball, obviously, and and so forth. But um, you know, their combined program with Camby for. Sure. Um, and, you know, we had a fair amount, even by the time from, even from when I was a seventh and eighth grader, there was just two of us that went over for cross country. By the time I was a senior, there was, you know, 15, 20 of us that went sure. over and stuff. And so I don't know that, uh, what kind of numbers are there right now, um, in terms of cross country and, and track and field that they draw from, uh, from Minnesota. But, um, so you know, that's like I said, just kind of that culture and just, um, you know, wanting to be good, but it all cycles through, you know, you're always going to have those years where, you know, you're not quite as good or whatever. And just realizing that, you know, you got to create that next wave of, you know, athletes that buy in and so forth. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious because you guys are, are, maybe at a little bit of a, a crossroads here, you know, you've graduated some really talented athletes here in the past couple of years. You've, how do you, how do you envision creating that next wave that you just spoke to, to maintain the success? Is there, is there something in the offing right now? That's like, this is, this is the thing we got to chase, or this is what we're trying to do better. Or how are you, how are you seeing that process going forward? I kind of view every season is a new set of puzzle pieces. And so you have to figure out which pieces are going to fit together. And, you know, sometimes it's kids moving to events that maybe before they didn't think they could do or so forth. You know, I mean, I'd look at in the past, just even as the last six, seven years as a head coach, having some of our 
sprint kids buy into the 400, you know, because yeah. for a lot of sprinters, the four, you're asking a lot if you think they're going to sure. do a 400 and just getting them to buy in and, and, and those kinds of things. And so there's always, uh, you're always looking for, you know, who's, what pieces can we put together? How can you help this group to be as successful as possible, you know, and get them in positions where they can feel success because if they feel success, then they're going to give more effort. They're going to uh, push to that next level and, and so forth. And so, um, you know, there, to me, there is no magic potion or anything like that. You have the kids that you have, sometimes they're more talented. We've, like I said, we've been extremely best had been, had some really talented kids on both sides. Um, you know, and we've cycled some of those out. We still have some pieces in there. So now what are the new pieces to the puzzle? You know what? So you got one piece left. Now, what are the three new, or you got two pieces left? What are the three, you know, what, how are you going to, uh, put things together and and fix it in. And I think every year you, you know, you kind of undulate between different things. I mean, yeah, we've had some uh, sustained success in, you know, recently in the uh, middle distance with the four by eights and, and, you know, we've had two milers that have had a lot of success at the state meet and, and so forth. And so now, you know, what does that look like this year? So, yeah. No, I, I hear it. I, I think that's the fun part about track and field. And again, I just, I try and think about it from a perspective of like, what is, how does that relate to life? Well, at different seasons, we have different people that come in and can give different stuff, you know? And I, I mean, even as a, as a coach on your staff, that staff can rotate and you can have someone who's really strong in an area and just say, okay. I'm hands off completely and you can go and it might be your strength area. You say, okay, you're going to make this better than I can because you're, you're more passionate. You're more excited, whatever it is. I'm going to go learn over here, support, provide, you know, it's the puzzle piece is always new. I think, like you say, it's, it's this constant movement and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I think track and field is really unique in that way because of all the events you can say, like, I remember we had a girl that one year at true team, she ran the two mile and we were in the second heat of the four by four. And we, we were just scrambling because we had an injury and we were trying to replace and some athletes went home and she's like, I'll run the four by four. Like just, just gets done running the two mile. They're back-to-back events. And she's like, I'll, it's fine. I'll go run it. She goes and runs it. And like, we find out she's a 400 runner. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, where'd that come from? Even after running a two, a two mile. And then eventually at the true team meet, which means only two athletes. So she's one of our two best two milers. She had some gifts, some tools, obviously, but she on our state tournament relay team in the four by one, because she just opened herself to, I'm going to try some things. We're going to experiment. And I have some, I have some gifts I can give. And I think when you can, unlock that for your athletes it's a it's a really fun place to be because success is i I just think success is going to follow and it sounds like you guys are doing some really cool things down there obviously i've had a ton of respect for you guys's program from afar for a long time we competed you know i was always worried about what's laverne going to bring in the four by eight um you know we ran we ran like 934 and won it one year we won 
we run 933 another year and you guys run 922 and we get fourth. So it's like, you know, you guys brought, brought some really, really quality stuff to the track and it's always fun to compete against you guys. Uh, best of luck to you guys going forward and whatever the puzzle pieces land this year, I'm sure you guys will figure out how to get the most out of them. So thanks for joining me and giving us a look into what you guys do. All right. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Thanks again to Pete Janiszewski, head track and field and cross country coach at Laverne High School here in Minnesota. I love getting in the weeds on the details with people who have found success and then found a way to sustain it. I think one of the things that I've I've said on the podcast over the years is that the goal is to raise the floor, to be more consistent. Excellence is in consistency. Anybody can have a great day. What about a great year? What about a great couple of weeks? What about a great program? When we reflect on what it is that we do with specificity, we get better. I know I'm a huge track nerd. So there was some of that that was it was really exciting for me and maybe not as exciting for all of you, but I want you to think about how they break down each race, quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, quarter four. Do you do this in your own life? Do you break down segments of things to create situations to set yourself up for success? How about as a leader, as a coach, do you set up your performers, your charges, your followers to be successful in different seasons because the challenges are unique and different in each one. They talk about quarter one being tactical. We want to make good tactical decisions. We have to be aggressive and and chase those sort of tactical ideas that that are going to give us the best potential for success jockeying for position understanding you know in the 800 on the back straightaway understanding where you can get in trouble by getting caught inside or blocked out being stuck on the rail knowing when to push and when not to push how to be aggressive how to not be aggressive what's the length of the challenge that you're going to face how aggressive do you need to be setting yourself up for success in that first quarter? Second quarter is about maintenance. And I love this idea. Maintenance is not about relaxation. It's about being able to sustain for the long haul. It's being able to set yourself up in position to have a long-term amount of success. Poise, pace, position. What does those things mean? What are the specifics of maintenance in your organization, in your team, for your sport, for your people, your family? What does it look like to not relax, but to maintain a standard of excellence that's going to set you up for the future? How about in, in quarter three, that third segment of the process, the natural instinct is to relax is to let up because it gets hard, because it gets uncomfortable. My niece is currently studying abroad, and I also had the opportunity, the good fortune to spend a summer uh, abroad. And one of the things they always tell you is that the first couple of weeks are really good. It's a lot of fun. It's like vacation. 
And then the next couple of weeks get really hard and you kind of like work into a routine, but you're starting to feel that lonesome, homesick sort of thing. And then you hit bottom. You want to go home. Nothing's normal. Nothing's comfortable. Nothing's the same. Food is different. Uh, one of the things that I found out speaking Spanish all day long is that your brain hurts speaking Spanish all day long sometimes because you're not used to doing it. And then you pull out of that trough and it gets really, really great. But that the beginning of quarter three at almost anything we do is that lull, that trough, that tough part. How can you focus on accelerating in that area. And then in the last quarter, it's about executing at a high level. What are the specifics that we need to focus on, that we need to dial our attention in on, that we can get, right? Fast hands, fast hands as we're running. We don't want to let our legs drag behind because they're tired and wasted at that point in the race. So we're going to focus on our hands and moving them so that our legs follow. What can we think about what does finishing look like? What does finishing well look like? And what are the specific details that allow us to do that? I, there's a bunch of other really, really great stuff in there. Set your people up for success, help them feel and identify when they're being successful, even when they don't see it. Can you do visualization to see yourself being successful, to see yourself preparing and getting into those places? All of that stuff is valuable. When it comes to teams, how can you unite people? In track and field, we do it through relays. We get more people to experience that high-level success because we might have a single really talented athlete that might place third, fourth, fifth in the state as an individual. If we put other great people around them, can we elevate the whole? That's always the challenge. How do we as leaders and coaches elevate the whole? What can we do specifically? to engage people to find their best as often as they can. Thanks again to coach. Thanks again to all of you who regularly show up and listen and engage in these sort of conversations to grow, get better and find your best as often as possible. You find any value in this share, follow rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. That's going to help us get this message out to as many people as possible. If you know anybody that can benefit, give it away. If you know anybody that could benefit us, reach out to me, eyesupmindset.com, eyesupmindset at gmail. Let me know if I need to be talking to somebody that's doing it at a high level. And as always, live eyes up.